Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Here on Love Struck Daily, we've covered the spectrum of all kinds of love stories. And so, of course, it's only natural we discuss a different kind of spectrum, that of asexuality. We have two guests today to discuss the broad spectrum of love and sex and love and no sex. I'm Sarah Wendell. I'm Alicia Rai, and welcome to Love Struck Daily, where we bring you a love story every single day. Now, I know as a romance novelist, Mm. you think a lot about what is going to be sexy for your readers because some of your books are very spicy, lots Mm -hmm. of peppers, Mm -hmm. and some of them are slightly less peppery, but Mm -hmm. still very sexy. And sexual attraction, when you're writing it down, requires a very specific language, doesn't it? It does. And I, I think it's really important, especially the more books I write. It used to be back in the day, and you remember sort of in the digital heyday, the early digital oh, yeah. heyday, where where there really oh, yeah. was a bit of a pressure to like amp the sex up, amp the sex up, because that's what sold. Yep. Um, and I felt that pressure quite a bit, and I was always a little bit anxious, like, what if there's not enough sex? What if, you know, it's not going to be right? And the, the more books I wrote, the more I realized that it really just depended on the characters. So I do have... I have a couple books that could definitely even be like, you know, I, I think are recommended to like older teens and stuff like that because they're not as, there's not as much sex in them, even though it might still be explicit. Um, and I have others that are like full on erotic romance. So 
once I figured out like, okay, the characters really have to drive how much sex there is. And, and just like, like people, there's a spectrum of, of characters and a spectrum of what they're going to do. You kind of have to listen to that. And I, I think that helps keep it sexy and for me yeah. and for readers and also keeps it interesting and fresh. I have had email from readers who have told me that they figured out that they were demisexual because they only wanted to encounter sexual explicit content in the context of a emotional connection between the characters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there was a there was a time when a lot of romance novels opened with a sex scene. Like you just yeah. went right banging yeah. on page one. Yep. And this person I have a few of those. <laughs> right. And there and there and this person, this person wanted to experience much more of an mm. emotional connection between the characters and with the characters before sure. they wanted to engage with any explicit sexual on the page content. And I thought, mm. what an interesting way to to, to learn about yourself. We're under so much pressure to define ourselves under Mm. very specific normative conditions. Mm -hmm. There are many different types of people and many different types of attractions. And we can talk about ourselves and our own experiences, but our guests today are going to help us take a much more intriguing look at asexuality. We are joined by two amazing guests. Justine is the board chair of Asexual Outreach And Jamie has written the critically acclaimed short film, It's Not You, It's Not Me, about asexuality. Before we begin this interview, I want to give you some basic terms. If you're not familiar with any of these pieces of information, here's a quick primer for you. Ace, or asexual, often refers to people who don't experience sexual attraction. Arrow, or aromantic, refers to people who don't experience romantic attraction. And allo, or allosexual, is not the skincare item. This is a reference to people who do experience sexual attraction, and there is a spectrum that includes all of us. Here to talk with us about all of the different ways to be in the world, please welcome Justine and Jamie. Welcome, Jamie and Justine. Thank you. We are so excited to talk to you, and I'm so curious about your work because I know you're friends, and your work overlaps a little bit. Yeah. And I want to start with misconceptions because once people Google the idea if they've never encountered asexuality before or begin to learn about it, you run into some false information and misconceptions. There's many of them. What are some of the major misconceptions that you deal with? Misconceptions, the idea that Sexual attraction is the same thing as having a libido. That's a big one. The idea that asexual people like never have sex or that all asexual people are sex repulsed, as opposed to understanding that there's a very big spectrum, thinking that asexuality may tie into like not wanting a relationship at all and also not understanding that like aromanticism is a thing that exists so realizing that those two things are separate i what i want to answer this question with is a bit more of a long-term view because something i find fascinating is the change in the misconceptions i've seen oh please tell me everything i joined the asexual community when the dinosaurs roamed the earth Oh, that's when I started on the internet. I remember this time. We must have met. Um, (laughs) And back when I first joined the community, there exists a time when asexuality was a thing that people associated with asexual reproduction only. And the concept that this could apply to humans at all was weird and alien. So 
moving through there to the point where we're at right now, where most people at least recognize that it can be a sexual orientation, I have not had to explain that it is an orientation for years. And that is refreshing. Um, and we get a completely different set of misconceptions all the way through to, oh, you're asexual. Well, you're a full human being, but that just means you don't ever want sex or a relationship, right? But yeah, it's been really, really interesting watching those misconceptions evolve. And I think it's really a reflection of the dedication and the work of so many amazing ace and aro activists. And it must feel very nice to know that in not every situation will you have to start with the, you know, the the, the, the intro level explanation of a piece of who you are, that there's more vocabulary and that other people know the vocabulary now. Places like OkCupid now have asexual as a possible orientation you can put on your profile. And it doesn't stop people from contacting you. This is just leaps and bounds of amazingness in my mind. Jamie, did you notice any of these changes as you were lurking in asexual communities online? Did you notice this evolution at all? I think what I've noticed is more an expansion of different definitions and labels within the community. Um, So trying to stay on top of new terms, people are still confused trying to figure out oh this this label doesn't really feel like me but like i exist so there must be some way for me to describe who i am how i feel and there's the amazing opportunity for a community to learn the language to define itself and seeing that happen is very cool i would imagine yeah yeah as a scientist i i love watching that to the evolution of language to describe, because what it means to me is that we're seeing people find more precision in their self-measurements, right? So there used to be a time when, for example, we could only measure things down to the millimeter or so. We didn't have very precise measurement tools. And I think that correlates very strongly to an era where we had asexual and not asexual. And then one day we found out that gray sexuals exist where they're in the middle, and we earned a little more precision in our measurement. And since then, the amount of self-exploration that humans have gone through to, to achieve such fine granulated measurements is just it's awe-inspiring to me, because all of that existed probably the whole time, but we just had to learn our way through and learn how to measure these things. I love a good taxonomy. <laughs> in your perspectives... Having a romantic relationship with someone who is asexual can take on a lot of different forms. I mean, people contain multitudes and also nuance, as we've been discussing. So what are some of your experiences in having romantic or being in romantic relationships where one or both parties are asexual? I think the the challenge with the relationship I had was that he didn't realize that he was on the asexual spectrum when we first started dating. And it wasn't until maybe six months in that I started asking questions because up until that point, I had been trying to initiate sexual encounters and it'd be like, uh, oh, I'm really, I'm really tired because I've been working a lot or I got to get up early tomorrow. So I, I, I guess it's time for me to go home now or uh, like, can we just do something else instead? And then eventually realizing, oh, it's like we haven't been dating for that long. And usually I find in my relationships, we're still in like a sexual honeymoon kind of phase. Yeah. And so recognizing that it's a little bit different. And so asking questions like the character does in the film that I made, 
like, is, is it me? Like, am I the problem? I like, are you not attracted to me? Like, unfortunately at the time, because, you know, he, he was into me, but he, he couldn't figure out like why he didn't want to have sex with me. So he'd say things like, oh, maybe like you could lose some weight or like, oh, I ooh, guess like ooh. some of my like ex partners were more blonde or like bigger breasted and stuff. And that definitely took a little bit of a toll on my like confidence. Where's the toll on me right now? <laughs> I want to give you oh, all my hugs. stars. Virtual hugs. Virtual <laughs> hugs. That's not uh, true. Yeah. Holy smokes. Yeah. I know that now. But at the time, you know, I just wanted to do whatever I could to try to make the relationship work. And Luckily, I had been friends with Justine and her partner for a number of years. Uh, otherwise, I don't know that I would have known what asexuality was yet. And so the thought occurred to me like, oh, maybe he's possibly on the spectrum. So I raised it with him and he had actually, one of our mutual friends had visited his university course to give a lecture on asexuality. And he was like, yeah, some of the things she was saying sounded familiar. So like maybe... And then once we started exploring that idea, the question then became, okay, so if you are on the spectrum and and maybe you aren't fully comfortable having sex, what does that mean for our relationship? Am, am I comfortable maybe not having sex potentially like ever again, if that's what you decide is what you're comfortable with? Do we open up the relationship? I didn't want to at the start necessarily, but I know that for him, it was, the thought was that if I never had sex again and we were lifetime monogamous, he was rightfully so very scared that I would build resentment over us not having sex. And maybe that would then lead to more pressure on him or just a breakdown of the relationship in general. And so mm -hmm. that's partially what inspired me to write the film, just because I know at the time it just felt like it feels like there's no right, right answer at this time yeah. just because we were both so new to it and figuring ourselves out. And I think if I were to start another relationship like that again, I'd have much better vocabulary and know what questions to ask next time. Yeah. I want to ask you before I miss the opportunity, what is your film about? Oh, yeah. So it kind of takes place all on one night where the allosexual character loosely based on myself raises that question to her her partner of why they haven't had sex for, for months. And they go down this journey of figuring out who each of them are uh, and what that means for the relationship. Right. So, Justine, what about you? In terms of relationships, what have your experiences been like? Understanding, of course, that you speak for all asexuals everywhere, every last one, of course. Oh, of course. <laughs> understanding that this is solely your experience. But I feel like it's important to sort of point that out sometimes because I don't want anyone to listen and think, oh, well, this is what the asexual experience singular is like. So please yeah. tell me your experience. And I'm really glad that you bring that up because I'm so used to having to preface every question I ever answer with that. Before I had the words to associate with asexuality, I used to think that I didn't want sex because I was tired. I used to think that I didn't want sex because I had something to think about tomorrow. I just thought that was normal. And I'm like, ah, well, wait till like uh, next month on the 4th at 1 p.m. I have five minutes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so bringing up those excuses felt 
like the best way I could describe what was going on in my head because I didn't have better words. And that is a large part of why I do this advocacy is because I want people to have better words to be able to describe what's going on for them, especially because I've seen what kind of damage I have inadvertently done to partners. And it's a bit of a different dynamic. Like, cis men have different insecurities, but they're still there. And I think that the dynamic is a little bit different because there's different ways of expressing that that are societally acceptable. Yep. And he definitely still went through a journey of feeling unattractive because I wasn't attracted to him. So looking back, I wish I could go back and give everyone involved in that situation a hug. I just didn't know what was going on. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, as as the years have gone by, I've learned a lot about how other people experience asexuality as well, and that gives me even more ability to describe the way I experience it. What are some things that you think the asexual community can teach us about romance, which is a separate concept, I know? I think the very first thing that asexuality brought to the forefront about romance was that it was different from sexuality. So before I discovered this community, intimacy was used as a broad envelope term to mean connection in a relationship and often as a euphemism for physical sex. But it was often not separated out or specified, right? You could talk about intimacy with your partner and that could mean a nice movie night or it could mean a nice movie night that ended in sex and no one knew because nobody wanted to say the word sex. Yes. I have used intimacy as a euphemism for sex many times, especially when talking to the media. Exactly. And that's something I'm really fighting against. I have started yeah. reclaiming oh, yeah. it and using the word intimacy to mean whatever I define it to mean. Yeah, And I know that it means nothing to anyone else when I use that word, because unless you know me well, you don't know what it means to me. Right? Yeah. Unless you've actually dated me or talked to me about my dating experience, you don't know what I mean when I say intimacy. And mm-hmm. I really enjoy that. I love it. I love that it, with this new definition underlines the complexity and the variance in human beings. So I'm, I'm working hard on making that the operating definition in my life. Jamie, what about you? What, uh, what, is the, what can the asexual community teach us about romance? If you have more to add, I want to hear it. I mean, along those same lines, I remember when I was first struggling with this, chatting with my roommate, and he said, Jamie, have you heard about the five love languages? There's there's more than sex to express how you love someone. And I was like, whoa, what? And and I think that's something that anybody who's looking to further a relationship with someone could benefit from. And I think inherent to identifying as asexual is, you know, figuring out where your boundaries are. And I think that's something that mm-hmm. allosexual people, aka people who experience sexual attraction, could also benefit from. Mm-hmm. Doing things like, for example, in the relationship that I was in, my partner didn't enjoy deep kissing. And that was something that I craved more than sex, really. Because for me, that was that's one of the ways that I really enjoy intimacy. But I think for him, deep kissing necessarily led to sex. Whereas if we had established that it didn't need to, then yeah. we could have potentially enjoyed that more. I have learned so much from this conversation. Thank you so very, very much for your time. Justine, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, several places. So I do have an account on AVEN, which is the Asexual Visibility and Education Network. The URL is asexuality.org. My name on there is Heart. And Jamie, where can people find you and your film? 
I'm Jamie Mack on YouTube, J-A-Y-M-E-E space M-A-K and same uh, at Jamie Mack on Instagram and Twitter. Fabulous. Thank you both so, so much. Thank you for some really amazing questions. Sarah, what is your love to go for this fantastic episode and these fantastic guests? You and everyone who is listening to me right now, you are perfect and normal and wonderful exactly the way you are and there is nothing wrong with you. A lot of people, especially in this conversation, we talked about feeling abnormal, like Mm. what's wrong with me? I don't fit. Why is this a problem? It isn't a problem. There's nothing wrong with you. You are wonderful exactly the way you are. Mm -hmm. I would like to hear about you and how you are. And if you've learned about yourself using new language that you've learned from other communities, you can email us at lovestruckdaily at frolic.media. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at lovestruckdaily. We would love to hear from you, and we would dearly love it if you left a review. If you do, thank you, thank you, thank you. Our researcher is Jesse Epstein. Our editor is Jen Jacobs. We are produced by Abigail Steckler and Little Scorpion Studios and Jillian Davis with executive producer Frolic Media. This is an iHeartRadio podcast. We wish all of you on every spectrum, in every place, and in every way of being a wonderful, happily ever after. 